G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Three things about the role of the priest in the family. Number one, Job was cultivating commitment. Secondly, Job was cultivating compassion. And thirdly, Job was cultivating consistency. These are the three things that Job, the family priest, was modeling to his family. Welcome to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. In a moment, Job and how he is a real-life example of the priesthood of the Father. You'll hear keys to leading your family spiritually and reaching the next generation through living a life for God and His Word. Listen now as Dr. Michael Yusuf begins. You know, for several decades, Sam Rabin was recognized to be the most powerful politician in America. During his unusually long period of time as a speaker of the House of Representatives in the Congress, he was a very powerful man, to say the least. (laughs) Presidents came and presidents went, but Sam Rabin remained at the very center of power. In fact, historians would tell you that he alone controlled the legislative process in the Congress in Washington, D.C. Not one single bill came to a vote without his approval. There was no president who was seeking success without Sam's support. In later years, when Sam Rabin looked back on his life, on his illustrious career, he recounted the most influential moment in his life. One experience stood out above all the other experiences that impacted his life. Let me tell you about it today. In fact, it occurred in a railway station, a tiny railway station in East Texas. You see, throughout his life and um, on many occasions, Sam Rabin would tell this story. We tell about this life-changing experience, this experience that molded his life to be the man that he was. He often told this story with great joy. He often told that story with emotions for a tough man. He often told the story with deep reverence. In fact, his biographer, Robert A. Caro, said the following. He said, Sam Rabin told this story every time he faced a crisis in his life. It sustained him as he went through the tough times in life. He said that in the year 1900, and in the midst of a wind-swept Texas prairie, Sam's dad hitched the buggy and drove his 18-year-old son to town. The boy was going off to college, and he's going to be leaving the family farm. His father is a poor man. 
who lived in that farm as a dirt farmer who tilled this land for all his life. And while father and son were standing there on the railway station, there on the, on the platform, waiting for the train to come, experiencing those emotions that only those of us who have been through that experience would understand, without words are spoken. And there stood between them Sam's suitcase, which was nothing but a bundle of clothes tied together with a rope. And as the train approached that little train station, as soon as the train arrived and Sam was preparing to get on board of the train, right at that moment, Sam's father reached down deep in his pocket and he pulled out a fistful of single dollar bills. He thrust them into Sam's hands and there were exactly $25 bills, single bills. Later, Sam would say, only God knows how he saved those dollars. He said, we barely had enough to put food on the table. And he said, I often wondered what he did without, what sacrifices he and mother made. And with tear-filled eyes, Sam was about to board the train. But just as he stepped on the train's door, his father reached out and he grasped his hand, he grasped his son's hand, And he only said four words. Four words that have changed this young man's life. Four words that has impacted many lives. Four words. Sam, be a man. Sam, be a man. You know, from a human perspective, these are the kinds of moments that make history that can impact the world. From a human perspective, these are the types of thoughtful sacrifices that change lives. Please listen to me very carefully what I'm going to tell you. All social scientists today, without exception, social scientists from every stripe and every background have now concluded that the impact of the father upon their children is incalculable. Secular and unbelieving social scientists are now convinced, no matter what all the others say, that fathers can make or break their children. But here's the irony. Listen carefully, please. Here's the irony. The Bible has been saying this for 4,000 years. They've just discovered it. In the Hebrew culture, the relationship between the father and son is so intertwined that when God decided to reveal himself in human flesh, he came as the son of God. In Bible culture, the relationship between father and son is so intimate that the first word a little Hebrew boy is ever pronounced out of his mouth is the word Abba. In the Old Testament, while they had priestly systems, 
where priests stood between God and man and offered sacrifices to God on behalf of repentant sinners. But before the system was ever came to existence, God commissioned the Father to be the priest of the home. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Look, there is no secret that our culture has drifted away from our moral moorings. It is not secret that our culture has drifted away from our biblical roots. There is no secret that our culture has drifted away from our godly anchor. Back in the early 60s, a handful of militant feminists met at Yale University with one item agenda. How to destroy the biblical concept of the fatherhood of God and thus the priesthood of husbands and fathers in the homes and in the churches. And I would say they have mightily succeeded. A handful of militants are managing to destroy the biblical authority that is ordained by God himself for the men to be the priests of their homes. Talk about the power of commitment. For example, one of their false arguments is this, that we ought never to call God our Father because all of those who have bad fathers are going to assign badness to God, (laughs) as if they really care about the reputation of God. (laughs) There is no denying, listen to me very, very carefully, please. There is no denying of the fact that some of husbands and fathers have not lived up to their God-given priesthood. There is no denying of that. There is no denying of the fact even in the churches. There is no denying of the fact that some of the husbands and fathers have failed to model their lives. The fatherhood of the heavenly father. There is no denying of that. But I thank God this is changing. For the past several years, there are hundreds of thousands of fathers and husbands who have been raising up their hands and they are reclaiming their God-given priesthood in the homes. Hundreds of thousands of husbands and, and, and fathers around the globe are standing up and owning up to their priesthood in the home. Hundreds of thousands of husbands and fathers around the world are recommitting themselves afresh to following the model of the heavenly Father. You know, the scripture gives us all kinds of models of fathers. The one thing about our scripture does not take people, wash them out, starch them, clean them, wrap them in cellophane, and present them to us as perfect people. Thank God for that. The Bible is the truth, tells us everything. They let everything hangs out. And there are fathers that you don't want to model, but there are fathers that you do. One of my favorite models is that of Job. Turn with me, please, to the book of Job, chapter 1, beginning at verse 1 to 5. The reason Job stands out as a great model of an earthly father is because Job understood the role of the priesthood of the husband and father. Job practiced that priesthood of a husband and father. Job comprehended that his priesthood is more than just being a family provider, that his priesthood is more than just being the family protector, that his priesthood is more than just being the family disciplinarian. Job understood that the role of the family priest is an all-inclusive sacred duty before God. I think most biblical historians agree that Job 
probably lived around the time of Abraham, give or take a hundred years. You say, why is that important? It is very important because I want you to listen carefully. It is very significant because Job's priesthood was established well before God established the priesthood system of Israel. This is very important. Why? Because it tells us that the priesthood of the husband and father was above the priesthood of Israel. That the priesthood of the husband and father is prior to the priesthood of the church. That the priesthood of the family is older and higher than the liturgical priesthood. It is very important because it tells us that God's desire all along for husbands and fathers to be the priests of their families. Job was a righteous man. Job was a man esteemed by his peers. Job was respected by his employees. But above all, Job took his priesthood in the family dead seriously. And I want to tell you quickly three things about the role of the priest in the family. Looking at the model of Job. Three things. If you have a pen, write them down. Number one, Job was cultivating commitment. Secondly, Job was cultivating compassion. And thirdly, Job was cultivating consistency. Commitment, compassion, and consistency. These are the three things that Job, the family priest, was modeling to his family. Let's look at the commitment. The Bible said that Job rose early in the morning. And the first thing he did was what? Read the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> no. Watch CNN. No. Check his email. No. Check on the stock market. No. He did all of that later on in the day. There is nothing wrong with that. That is sacred work, and I am not putting it down. But he did this later on in the day. Job knew that he must do the urgent after he has done the important. He rose early in the morning. Why? The Bible said, in order that he may offer a sacrifice on behalf of his family. Most of us in this fast-moving, technologically developing society, we have got so bogged down in the urgent that we have forgotten the important. But Job had his priorities right. He did the important things first, then the urgent things later. Now contrast him with Lot. For the Bible said they pitched his tent towards Sodom, and the next thing he was in Sodom. Be careful. So what is the equivalent in the New Testament? The equivalent of this commitment for the family priests is to get up and offer God the praises that are due to His name on behalf of your family. The equivalent of this is to get up early in the morning and intercede on behalf of your family. To get up in the morning and to pray for your family is to get up in the morning and stand in the gap for your family. Listen to me. God 
wants godly fathers to make the sacrifice of praise and intercession and prayer on behalf of their family day in and day out, months in and months out, week in and week out, year in and year out. Why? Because He wants us to have godly men for sons and godly daughters for women. Before Job thought of himself, before he thought of his problems, before he thought of all the things that are going on in his life, before he thought of his needs, Job offered the sacrifice of praise, offered the sacrifice of confession, offered the sacrifice of repentance, offered the sacrifice of asking for forgiveness on behalf of his family. That is a commitment. Cultivating commitment. But Job also was cultivating compassion. Look with me, please, at verse 2 of chapter 1. We are told that Job had seven sons and three daughters. And the Bible goes on to say that the boys took turns in hosting the whole family. (laughs) Where do you think they got the idea? Where do you think they've learned this? How did they know to do that? They were modeling their father's compassion. Listen to me, please. Job trained his sons to be generous. Job trained his sons to be gentlemen. Job trained his sons to be hospitable. Job trained his sons to be responsible. And Job trained his sons to be leaders. He taught them to model his compassion. And the boys grew up to be compassionate. They took turns, the Bible said, to do what? To bring the family together in fellowship. They took turns to do what? To build up the bonds between family members. Took turns to do what? To break down the barriers and and, and miscommunication in the family. To do what? To build up the harmony that God wants to see in the homes. Job cultivated commitment in his family. Job... The priest of the family cultivated compassion in his family. Then thirdly, Job cultivated consistency in the family. Job obviously valued spending time with his family. Job obviously valued listening to his family. Job obviously valued being there for his family. But above all, his family saw with their eyes. Listen to me, this is the most important part of this whole message. They saw with their own eyes his intercession on behalf of the family. They saw that he's a man who's able to repent and ask for forgiveness. That he's a man who's willing to confess his weaknesses. That he was willing to confess his shortcomings and ask for God's forgiveness. And that impacted them. As greatly as anything else. Consistency, listen to me, consistency does not mean perfection. But what Job's children saw in his life, in the offering of sacrifice to the Lord, was a man who was willing to repent. They saw in him a man who was willing to confess his sins. They saw in him as a man who is not too big to ask for forgiveness of God. Let me tell you something, dads and moms too. More than memorizing the scripture, and you know how I feel about that. More than teaching and instructing your children, 
And you know how important I believe in that. More than helping your children, and you know how I believe in that. More than sending them to the right schools, more than sending them to Sunday schools, your children want to see in you how you apply the Word of God in your life. And applying the Word of God in your life includes asking for forgiveness of the Lord and asking of their forgiveness when you wrong them. Some of the hardest words when you ask somebody to forgive you. That's why Jesus talks about it again and again. Gives us example after example. Because consistency doesn't mean perfection, but it means knowing how to repent and ask for forgiveness when you blow it. Some of you are going through guilt and pain right now as I'm talking. I know that. Listen to me, please. If you listen to nothing else, I want you to listen to what I'm going to tell you. Remember that our God is a God of new beginnings. Don't ever look back and keep regretting in the past and everything else. Whatever happened in your life, put it behind you. This day is the first day for the rest of your life. And today, you can begin. Whatever your shortcomings were, whatever happened in the past, you can put that under the blood of Jesus Christ and begin this day. Say, God, I want to be a priest in my home. Job's consistency was manifested in his sacrifice, in his repentance, in his confession, in his asking God for forgiveness. He was cultivating commitment. He was cultivating compassion. He was cultivating consistency. But let me tell you, there may be some here who this message is premature because you have never committed your life to Jesus Christ. You've never committed your life. You cannot be the priest until you have surrendered your life to the high priest. This is your opportunity to say, Lord God, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Save me eternally. Save me from my sins. I confess to you. I begin to walk with you. You begin to walk with God. And you'll become the priest of your family. Challenging words from Dr. Michael Yusuf to grow commitment, compassion, and consistency as you lead your home. Thanks for listening to Leading the Way. Would you like to speak with a Leading the Way pastor about beginning or deepening your relationship with Jesus? They'd be happy to have a confidential and compassionate conversation with you. Start by filling out a short contact form at ltw.org slash Jesus. You know, Leading the Way is more than teaching by Dr. Yusuf from the Church of the Apostles. As part of Vision 2025, an initiative to expand the reach of the gospel over the next few years, Leading the Way has developed additional content to encourage people to begin and grow deeper in their faith journey. One that's grown to reach even more than ever imagined is Candid Conversations with Jonathan Youssef. And yes, Jonathan is the youngest son of Dr. Michael Youssef. Also called to ministry, Jonathan has served in multiple roles in multiple continents with a passion to reach the world for Christ and especially impact up-and-coming generations of families. In each episode, Jonathan tackles topics sometimes with a guest, sometimes just opening God's Word, that challenges you to view cultural issues through the lens of the Bible. No topic is out of bounds. He's brought some pretty edgy topics to the table, including suicide, education, sexuality, and more. Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week, we'll tackle tough Whereas issues. in progressive Christianity, they don't view the Bible as the Word of God. They say, We're going to the All-Star game, and I got a phone call from Rhonda. Mm-hmm. 
And she said, Caleb's not breathing. The phone call no parent was. Yeah, I mean, it's like, what are you talking about? A lot of people try to heal the pain that they've lived through success. by accolades and success yeah. and credentials. And there's no accolade, there's no credential, there's no success that's ever gonna give you what Jesus Christ will give you. If God is not sovereign, then it depends on our works alone for the salvation of people, which would be impossible. The we Lord just... asked me a question. He said, if you stood before me tonight, what name would I call? <laughs> and I said, oh, God, that is not fair. I told you I repented of this. I'm sorry. As I ran back to the car, I dropped the bomb I had. I'd gotten close to the house, up the carport with the bomb, and uh, uh, dropped it. And that was a miracle right there that it didn't explode. Can a Christian engage in that political process without selling their soul? I think it's possible. Compromise <laughs> in politics always happens. The question is, are you compromising your principles or are you compromising your policy? To listen, start off at ltw.org. Once there, you'll see some links so you can stream Candid Conversations with Jonathan Yusuf online or through your favourite podcast platforms. Once again, ltw.org. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf, passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.